Welcome to Croxley Green Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Morning everybody. Well, um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I want to suggest to you that there is nothing more socially dangerous than an honest child. If we are parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles, or maybe uh, you just know a child quite well near you, we all know that toe-curling feeling of that tumbleweed moment when a child has been painfully honest. Um, Well, I found, uh, when I was trawling uh, the internet, I found some letters from children who had been painfully honest, and uh, they should come up on the PowerPoint on your screen, but if you're listening on a CD at home, I'm going to read them out to you, Uh, because these letters are are just not what you'd want to hear, but they are honest children's letters. So this one was written uh, to this child's teacher. It says, Dear Mrs McMahon, you're a good teacher, but not my most favourite. I don't think you'd want to get that, really, would you? And then what about this one? Dear Mum, thank you so much for being my mum. If I had a different mum, I would punch her in the face and go and find you. (laughs) Which I'm not sure how proud you would be of that if you were their mum. What about this one? Dear God, this is a prayer, this one. Dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) Disappointment all round. And then what about this one? I think this might have been creative writing or maybe just confession. When I was eight years old... My neighbour's dog kept pooing on my yard. So one day, I pooed on his yard. (laughs) I think that's fair enough. An honest child. Now, this one is a love letter. It says, Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I really like you. And then it's got yes, no, maybe for you to cross out. P.S. Please put yes, no, or maybe. And then the reply is on the same letter. I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle, but when we break up, you are my next choice. P.S. That will probably be in a month or two. <laughs> just, to, just to, you know, let you know what the, what the scenario is. And uh, this one is the kind of thing you do not want to see in your child's diary at parents' evening. And it's a lovely picture of someone's mummy sitting at a table with a rather large glass with something red in it. It says, my mum likes drinking wine. And there's nothing else. I mean, you don't want your child being that honest, really, do you? But uh, even fairy tales speak to this truth. Who was it? that laughed out loud at the emperor in his underwear in Hans Christian Andersen's famous tale. A child, of course. Everyone else was too polite or too worried about looking stupid to say what was actually true. And in our house, uh, when our children were little, uh, their kind of public honesty tended to be health-related. So many an uncomfortable trip round Sainsbury's was caused not by them being naughty because they actually really liked going to Sainsbury's I don't really know why but they did Uh, but by the health education Nazis that they became uh, when they were riding in my trolley Uh, mummy why is that lady buying chocolate when she's already too fat that's one of the things I remember one of them saying Uh, mummy that man is smoking doesn't he know he's going to die outside of Sainsbury's And uh, I really remember one of them saying, um, 
Ooh, not many vegetables in their trolley, Mummy, is there? What can you say? They are telling the truth, albeit in a shockingly middle-class way, but they just hadn't yet learned those social behaviours that we, most of us, nearly all learn, uh, that some obvious truths are just better not expressed out loud. And maybe it's not an accident that now they're grown up, they've turned into a teacher and a pharmacist, and it's socially acceptable now for them to give people really good advice. Kids... Just say it how it is, don't they? And in these last few days of Jesus' life, the people around him are generally still not understanding why it is he's heading towards Jerusalem. And just before our passage starts, Jesus has to gently explain to two of his disciples that wanting seats on either side of him in his kingdom may just be asking for something more uncomfortable than they realise. James and John can sense the ministry of their friend and teacher is reaching its climax. And they still think he's going to become a human version of a king with places available for his mates at the table. And it seems that in response to these many understandings, Jesus has started spelling things out. And so his instructions to his two disciples at the beginning of chapter 21 are very detailed and direct. In fact, Matthew tells us that Jesus commanded them to bring the donkey and the colt. He was not taking any chances that they might change the look of his entry into Jerusalem because they still didn't understand the kind of mission he was on. And it didn't seem to matter how often Jesus spelt it out to his friends that he was coming to die. They just didn't want to hear it. And so very clear instructions were needed at this point. Well, what about the crowd? Surely they seem to have grasped the point. I mean, they are, after all, shouting Old Testament prophecy and speaking the truth. Well, Matthew tells us the whole story. And uh, he tells us that the whole city was in uproar. A small city swelled to many times its normal size because of the coming Passover. This is a dangerous situation. And uh, Jerusalem was a complete trouble hotspot. The Romans have had to put down uprisings in this part of the country too many times before already. And these people will start a riot at the drop of a hat. And they've got form when it comes to just following the crowd. So while they might be saying what sounds like the right things that we in hindsight can see, Matthew also lets us in on their conversation. And actually, they have no idea who Jesus is. They are asking one another who on earth it is that's arriving with all this fuss. Verse 10 and 11 tells us that they are all in uproar, but they are asking Who is this Jesus? And the ones who answer think he's just another prophet. I suppose we can give them half points for trying some of the idea, but they haven't really got the whole picture, have they? So then Jesus heads into the temple, and now you might think that in the most holy site in the whole city, there might be a few people who can recognise what they've been waiting for for so long. You might think that but you would be wrong. The people Jesus encounters in the temple have turned the most precious part of Israel's spiritual life into a market and a gift shop. 
It was like our modern national treasures, except that instead of exiting through the gift shop, it was enter through the gift shop. In fact, before you even got to go to the gift shop, you had to change your unholy money into money fit for purchasing your gift. And guess who sets the exchange rate for that? The traders themselves. And this kind of racket was basically fleecing any ordinary person coming who was trying to buy their annual sacrificial lamb, about as far away from the spirit of the law as you could get. No wonder Jesus was angry and disappointed. And the temple staff don't really get who Jesus is, even when he's coming at them with a whip in hand and righteous anger in his eyes. Is there anyone who understands who Jesus is and what he's come for? Well, yes, there is actually. There are two groups of wise people that Matthew tells us about. The blind and the lame and the kids. Matthew tells us that even after, or perhaps especially after Jesus' outburst, blind and lame people are gathering around him to be healed. And wonderful miracles are happening in the place that was designed for healing and forgiveness. And the only people that can really see what's going on are the blind, the lame and the children. All these people were counted as next to nothing or in fact deemed unclean and not fit to enter the temple. And Jesus is tearing up the rule book and bringing healing and worth to the very people the religious elite are trying to keep out. No wonder they were annoyed. And what do kids do when they can see hypocrisy and the real thing in front of them? They say it how it is. They can see that the king has come in a new way and that David's legacy has been picked up by Jesus. Jesus, quietly getting on with bringing in his kingdom, puts the religious elite in their place and honours the children for speaking the truth and praising God. And what might our children have to say to us about what is going on in our city at the moment. Maybe we should be listening to the words they speak out in a time of uproar and turmoil. We've enjoyed looking at their pictures and loved being with them in church, but maybe the Palm Sunday story tells us that we should listen to them a bit more than we do. Jesus seemed to think they had something to say. And maybe these prophetic kids called him the son of David, not because they heard the crowd shouting it, but because they knew from their scripture that David was a child, the youngest and the least, who knew how to worship and who had a heart after God. Never underestimate the power of a truthful child. Sometimes they see more of God's kingdom and Easter joy shared than we do.